Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Houndstooth is another thing that like if you see someone up here wearing houndstooth. In New York, a lot of people wear houndstooth. But in Alabama... It's like, because it's the Bear Bryant hat. Mm-hmm. And then there's like this weird like crossover where people will like have on houndstooth and you'll be like, is that a, no, it's just a person who likes houndstooth. They are not an Alabama fan. That's just, that's just Bob the drag queen. Wait a second. What's up, Bob? Welcome back, y'all. It's That's a Gay Ass Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and I've got some exciting news. Yep, this is hot off the presses. Heather Gay liked my video on Instagram. I know. I know. I posted a video that was me rehearsing my first inside hang post-vaccine and, you know, just workshopping my, you know, big uh, debut, my entrances. And Real Housewives of Salt Lake City cast member Heather Gay did throw me a like, so I feel different. I'm kind of not the same as I was before. I've been kind of struggling a lot with imposter syndrome, but I told Brian in therapy today, I was like, hey, Bri, um, Heather Gay liked the post. I'm good. (laughs) I think I'm going to kind of sign off and see you when I see you. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm in constant pain all the time. Uh, but it was exciting to see. If you don't follow me, it's at Eric Wills, and I would love to see you there. Uh, but today on the podcast, <laughs> we have an action packed episode. This is, I mean, I even editing this episode, I was laughing just because it is Jay Jordan as the guest, and he is one funny motherfucker. He, of course, has been on television many times on uh, The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. He was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, also is on an episode of High Maintenance on HBO. You've also seen him in digital content for Comedy Central, for Freeform, and he has his own comedy album called Jay Jordan, y'all. If you don't follow him, you simply must. He is so funny. His handle is at Jay Jordan, J-A-Y-J-U-R-D-E-N. Also follow us on Instagram at Gay Ass Podcast and uh, drop us a subscribe and a review if you like this episode. I'm so happy we're getting new listeners and those reviews really do help us get the word out more. So relax and enjoy some delicious, hilarious tones from Jay Jordan, y'all. The fact that Jay Jordan is on That's a Gay <laughs> podcast. It's a good day in the world. How have you been? How is, you seem? You look great. This is a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. 
is fine, but that's a lot. I'm but this. See, is, what is not this? This lie. might be this might be one of those clothing items. Let me tell you about this shirt, Eric. <laughs> you, my boyfriend's dad bought this. I think it's like one of those shirts you get from Costco that keep you warm. It's like one of those. It comes in a plastic pack. You know, shirts are never. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. For Christmas, I wear it as a base layer, but it's warm enough in the office currently that I'm just wearing it. I was gonna try to like wear like this cute little like Todd Schneider hoodie, but it's too it's too warm. It's too hot in here. You know, I have to say I'm wearing a hoodie right now, and sometimes I feel like it makes me look like a schlub. But my my sleeves are different colors. I think oh, it yeah, elevates. No, that's, yeah, that's a, that's an elevated hoodie. I'm sick of. Let me. Okay, another thing. I'm sick. Of hoodie slander, we don't let gay men wear anything Thank else you. in 2021. What? I can't wear a floor length fur every day. Jesus. Where is this coming from, though? I mean, like, who planted the seed of hoodie slander? Because it's not fair. You know what happened? There were some bad actors that wore hoodies. And some people call them straight men, call them our evil overlords, and they have ruined, besmirched, and villainized, vilified, demonized the good hoodie name. I love a good hoodie. I will, I will wear, I will wear hoodies until you know what? Probably until it doesn't. Probably when you're old and you wear a hoodie, it just it looks like people brought you out. You didn't go out on your own. But see, my question is, so many things are now virtual, and I, I fear, because I think a hoodie can be elevated, but I fear yeah. that on a Zoom call from the chest up and seeing a hood, does it make me look like I'm not caring about how I'm dressing? Because I care, because I do care. No, 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 no. It, you, look, you look immaculate. There's Thank no... Yeah, that's a, it's a nice hoodie. It's a good hoodie. The color blocking, contrast. You're dealing with elements that people don't even think about when they throw on a, just a chill hoodie. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of hoodies for free. You think I'm not going to wear something for free? I love free wearing free stuff. Oh, my God. I mean, talk about free stuff. My dear husband has received free clothing just because of Instagram shit. And the amount... like When you wear a free piece of clothing, it feels different. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, what is your style when you hold on to items? Are you more of a hoarding type? Are you, are you happy to refresh? I am lucky enough that I'm with someone who will hold me to throw stuff away. Mm. Like if I say, oh, I don't really wear this. Single J would be like, I don't wear this. So she's going to live in the back of my closet. But because Garrison and I share an apartment, Garrison would be like, well, no one's going to wear it. It'll go away. It will go away. I do love so much of your stand-up about like how you live with someone that gives you health insurance. And I have to say, it's kind of, I think that is <laughs> such a goal. It's couples, like couples goals when you're younger, it's like, I want hot sex all the time. I want a guy oh, that yeah. goes, but like, as you're an adult, you're like, I would love 12 months of the year to know that I can go to a hospital and not have to pay out of my ass for it. <laughs> well, I think that enough People understand like the logistics of being in a relationship now. We're a much more like class aware society. Mm-hmm. So when people say, Oh, this is what I'm looking for in a partner and they don't mention like day to day stuff, I'm always like, Uh, that's, you're, that's a porn. You're talking about a porn. That's a porn. That's cute. That's cool. That's great. Good for you. That's a porn. I don't know. I if do you know that. that. I actually totally see what you're saying because so many people think about like their like hour to hour experience. They don't think about the year to year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No, they don't. 
Dang, that's a big truth that was just dropped. Because you know what? It's like the older you get, if you're in a relationship and your friends who are single are talking about dating stuff, like you sometimes lose sight of like what is the best advice to give. And a lot of it's just like, think about the long term, you know, <laughs> think about the long term. How long have you and Garrison been together? Nine years. Yeah. That is huge. I know. It's a long time. Well, congratulations. There, was, there were three years where when I was at Alabama, technically, where we were long distance. It was two and a half hours. It was a drive from Oxford, Mississippi to Tuscaloosa. But nine years is a long time, which is very interesting to think about. I mean, it truly is because it's like nine years is like you're, it's 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 you're getting to the point where it's like this is through chapters of your life. Do you <laughs> how 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 has it morphed since you started dating versus now? Like when people ask you about advice about being with someone for this long, like what what comes to mind? Oh, I don't give out good advice because <laughs> I don't want anyone to beat us. Um, no, I just don't. I don't say anything that I think is fake i say well be honest uh be adults be mature understand like the different levels of your relationship like full disclosure like we have like i have like we have like a third partner right now but he's in california but garrison and i are primary partners but it's one of those like very very lengthy conversations for some people because they're like, oh, for real? Like, how long have you been together? And it's just like, oh, okay. So nine years. And like, that's impossible. I'm like, well, not really. I mean, we got together and then I went to grad school and then we moved to New York. And so like... How is it going with the long distance with the third? It's going It's going well. The pandemic has changed like relationship habits for everyone. Like we had, this is our office now. So like with you at home and the boyfriend during the pandemic, we had to just understand that like the office is going to be like for work. Cause there was before we had like this bedroom to like do office stuff. It was terrible in the one bedroom. It was like a screaming match. I get anything done. Cause it was either, it was bad. I mean, I truly hear preaching to the choir. I like am in a one bedroom right now. I'm sitting next to an unmade bed and a, a green screen <laughs> behind me. But like we actually did a clubhouse the other day. Matt and I were, were invited by um, our friends on Instagram. This at probably this. You have to. They're actually incredible. Like they are renovating their house. We, I mean, give a follow to probably this. But they hosted a, <laughs> a clubhouse that was about you know renovating and DIY. And Matt is this like amazing social media person so they brought him up and then i was like well if he's going to come up and talk about what it's like to like live in new york city like bring me up as well so i can share my two cents <laughs> so we started talking and all the questions about were just like how do you do it in a one bedroom and the answers were like um it's not fun it's like we <laughs> <laughs> that's always i mean that's always the answer i had to do a lot of the work at the very beginning of the pandemic in our living room if i was doing anything like digital just because he would either be in the bedroom doing work stuff or I would be in the, I would be like in the bedroom trying and I was like, this just doesn't work. And then we got like a tiny desk and tried to do stuff. And then an apartment opened up in our building. And so we were lucky enough to get this one, but it's, it's crazy. It's insane sometimes. So I'm sure people love to hear about the dynamic with you and your 
third person in California? Like, what do you like? What do you do? You enjoy talking about? Are you just like it's a it's enough? Well, well, I do try to be respectful, just because a lot of people, and this can stay in the podcast, because a lot of people. I don't want to put Garrison in an awkward situation when discussing it. And I mean, in full disclosure, you don't have to keep this in the final edit of this one. But it's like one of those situations where I don't want to put him on blast and don't want to. Because I'm a comedian. People don't care about what I do. It's like. <laughs> that I get that, though. I mean, it's like I find with all podcasts and just entertainment in general is you have to be really mindful of, of the real you people. Real, you have to be like mindful of the other person's jobs and mm-hmm. like the eye on them so in discussing that it's it's like even when i do stand-up like i'm very much aware of like the stand-up like what the line is like you don't do you talk about you don't talk about sex with your husband in your set do you no i mean you, you talk funny. there you talk about like nebulous uh-huh. gay sex but yeah. there's like little little lines of demarcation that you go ah, i'd much rather talk about it this way than have to get into it the other way i actually been thinking about this a lot just because i heard a story recently of someone on a podcast pissed a bunch of people off because of a story they were telling and um of course have to be mindful of thinking about talking about mad just like talking about of course questions about sex and everything but i was watching michelle buteau's special because she just won the critics choice award with jerry seinfeld mm-hmm. and i've always noticed about her stand-up that i think is so brilliant and she always talks about her husband but it's uh, that she has a caribbean background that he's dutch and that it's never like giving information that is making him look like an asshole or incriminating or too personal but it's also it's very like it comes from a place of so much endearment and love but also sort of making fun of him and her at the same time <laughs> and and like she just told a story, she tells a story about her, her husband. They had their first children and had twins, and he, you know, there was a, a poop situation where the, the it went up the back of the baby and a blowout, it, a blowout, and um, just cuts to him just staring into space, like didn't know this could happen. And it's like a very relatable, like you're not making fun of him, but like he's not a bad dad, he's not doing parenting in a bad way. It's just like, of course, anyone would react that way, but it's just in the lens of of these two people, and I think that that's a good way to do it. And in part, because when you do stand-up, people do want to hear about you, and they want to hear about your exploits, but then you also don't want to throw anyone that you love under the bus, because you don't want people to come up to you after a set and be like, oh, yeah, when you were talking about fucking your husband, you're like, well, that's a little... It was... I was... I could have been talking about fucking anybody. That We don't have to... (laughs) (laughs) Just picture anyone. It's whoever you want it to be. (laughs) so it's like it's um people ask me about that and it's just it's what works for us right now it's a very honest and kind of nebulous answer i like it everyone seems to be happy all parties involved I respect that. I think that's such a great way to to discuss it because I it's like it's actually I feel like the universe sent you to me, Jay, just because I I sometimes you know as I'm going forward with this podcast is learning of what is sayable and shareable and and how to navigate <laughs> have to, how to navigate all of it because you know there are so many things that we can connect on, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like how I fuck my husband. Have you ever seen people like not? grasp that i've i've definitely been in podcast situations where i've heard someone say something i was like oh they're gonna oh they're gonna hate that they said this 
they should stop. They should stop right now. There. Ooh, stop it. Come on. I mean, yeah, totally. I think, <laughs> I think like even the fact that there are certain things that I have said or some or a guest has said that wants it to be edited out afterwards. And it's like, yeah, you sometimes you forget when you're just two people talking that it's being recorded and then you're that's next the thing you know, danger that's the danger that's the danger of clubhouse and oh spaces because people just be chilling they just be talking they just think oh it's casual and maybe it is casual maybe it goes away that day you know 99 out of 100 times mm-hmm. but there is gonna be that one time where you say, no, I think the Jewish people are... Bl-. And then it's like, <laughs> well, see, why did you say this to to 10 people? Uh-huh. You didn't even say it to 100 people. Why did you, t- why did you say this? <laughs> I do think... I mean, Clubhouse, man, it is... I avoided Clubhouse for so long, and then I was asked to be a part of a Purim costume party judging panel. Okay. And Wait it- a second. I have a how? How did you see okay. the costumes? And those were my questions too. So my friend Esther, she was a part of this panel. They had comedians that were judging the costumes. And I heard this I was like, okay, clubhouse costumes. This is I thought this was an audio thing. I truly had not even made my account. I just didn't want to do it. So, anyways, I it's like eight o'clock, it's starting. She's like, come now. So I have like, you know, I have no choice. I log on. Turns out they have people change their profile photos to the costume and you would ch- you would click on their profile photos it would show the costume and then a bunch of comedians would uh a sort of banter about it and and gray them which in a way was like super fun but also there was a little air of danger of like what if these comedians start roasting these poor people they're just like this is a jewish holiday i'm wearing i'm wearing i'm prince amidala you know it's like it's just <laughs> cut to me like reading her hair for filth which like of course did not happen but yeah don't make fun of the kids exactly. trying to be padme there's no <laughs> There's no reason. There's no reason. It ended up being so fun. And like it it truly was a reason why I was like, oh, Clubhouse isn't bad. I it, <laughs> it, 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 the the stage idea of it, the like people I'm a people. I'm an Android boy, so I deal with the Clubhouse discrimination. Wait, what and is it? It doesn't it doesn't exist on with Androids. Screw that. No, because if people want it, they can have it. It's not the biggest deal in the world. It's a very good excuse for me not to do clubhouse stuff. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. I truly can't. I'm sorry. I can't. Don't hate me. Very sarcastic. No, I, I really, Jay, that's such a old. No, I'm like, I like, I don't have access to it. <laughs> I'm glad you have at least a very valid excuse. So we did mention how you and Garrison were long distance because was it that you were at Tuscaloosa University of Alabama? Um, I was there for grad school. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, my husband and I went to undergrad at University of Alabama. That's not true. Is it? No, I know it's true. It is true. Yeah. It's one I of those actually super tiny connections in the New York comedy scene it really is and i i went to tuscaloosa a couple a few years into dating and i i went to college in new york where i didn't have there was no football team and i i've never had never been to a game and i went to tailgating in tuscaloosa and i was like clenched the entire time i was like (laughs) (laughs) what in the hell and of course it was magical but its own sort of magical i was deeply afraid of getting 
something happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they won the they won a national championship again this year, even though they should have been playing football. Um, <laughs> so good for them. We, you know, roll tide. I agree with the passion for the the theatrics behind it. Whenever you teach, I had because I had to, I was a graduate teaching assistant too so whenever you teach theater there is like this weird thing that you have to do for non-majors where you have to explain to them the conventions and like the rules of what makes something theatrical and there's always a day where like you like well technically this whole football game is a production and the and i mean the most of the kids are like this is okay jay but then there's always like two kids Two guys, I hate to do this, two guys, and they're like, what? <laughs> For real? <laughs> if the football players are the cast, then the head coach would be, come on. And they're like, uh, I want to say director. Okay, all right, that's a good start. And then the offensive coordinator would be... <laughs> Choreographer, you, you you pass. We did it. Oh my god, I feel like Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous uh, Minds. I we did it. Oh my, I just picturing like the two guys looking around, like, are you listening to this? They uh, they they were good kids, but like, I it's it is tougher than you realize to make eighteen year olds in a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class care about theater when some Fridays the school almost shuts down <laughs> halfway during like the day because there's a home game the next right. day. Right. I also I mean the football culture is so is so intense there. I actually heard when when Matt and I were planning our wedding and we knew people that were fans of Alabama would be there. So oh, meant- you know the rule the second Saturday. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Um, you like can't like there's certain dates that are for verboten that you could not even dare to schedule a brunch on. <laughs> and cuz like you know LSU is playing boo 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 boo. And so um one time I was walking down the street in New York with my Alabama hat on that I gotten and someone was like we're all t- and I was like, yeah, it's real tight. Hi. And then he started to talk to me about the quarterback. And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just, was it, this is that's that's very funny. And I apologize for talking to you on the street that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it happened. It happened more. It happened more frequently than I thought it would when I would wear that hat. And I just learned I, to nod and smile. It definitely probably would happen. You if you had on a hoodie and a hat, they're like, <laughs> that's just a good old boy up here. Trying to do his best work, probably working for some consulting firm. You know, right. I'm going to give him my business card. <laughs> I'm going to ask him who he knows. Which fraternity he was in. Yeah. Um, Houndstooth. Houndstooth is another thing that, like, if you see someone up here wearing Houndstooth. In New York, a lot of people wear Houndstooth. But in Alabama, it's like, because it's the Bear Bryant hat, mm-hmm. bullshit, whatever. And then... There's like this weird like crossover where people will like have on houndstooth and you'll be like, is that a no it's just a person who likes houndstooth? They are not an Alabama fan. That's just that's just Bob the drag queen. Wait a second, what's up, Bob? How you doing? I didn't know. Roll tie, Bob. Yeah, roll tie. Yeah, no, I I did witness Matt have a devastating moment where he tried to roll tie someone and either they didn't hear him or it was just houndstooth for <laughs> <laughs> Just like a coincidence. You're a good husband. You stood by your man, right? That's there. right. I said, "Yes, yeah, roll tide." 
And then Baba Dragon was like, stop following me. Um, truly. But someone told me that they were like, you know what? If it's on a game day at the wedding, then people can maybe have headphones in and on their phones to watch the game. And I was like, I am not a bridezilla. But if I see someone wearing headphones watching the Alabama football game while I'm doing choreography, I will kill someone. Wait a second. You, that, that is very disrespectful. You're telling me, Jay. You can't wear headphones to someone else's wedding. And then I was told that at all, some of these weddings that, and like watch me get canceled by like all the South for this, but like at some, at some people's weddings that they would have a specific room set up with like a big screen TV in the football game while like the, for, the bride is dancing with her father. I can see that. I can see you, that happens at churches sometimes. No. Like on, on Sundays, there's some churches that'll be like, well, the games on at the rec center. The rest of the deacons are watching the game. We're going to finish up and then everyone can head on over there. I could see that happening. You know, it's because we baby people. We let everyone have their way all the time, mm-hmm. especially boomers. They get to do whatever they want, whenever they want. You tell me you can't sit two hours and watch this beautiful gay ceremony. You got to watch a, a football game instead. Nick Saban's going to be there. I mean, hello, hello. And talk about theater. Like we, I stage managed the shit out of that wedding. Like there, there was not a minute you wanted to miss. Like, I don't care what's happening in the third quarter. Like I'm doing a full pirouette. Do you know that like people put a lot of, do people put a lot of pressure on you now when you, well, I guess people haven't been having weddings. Well, what's, what do you mean pressure in terms of what? I was going to say your wedding was a gay wedding. Mm -hmm. Technically it was at least half a gay Southern wedding. So was there a lot of pressure on it to be like a good wet? Like people were like, I'm expecting something. Y'all better Mm. come correct. This can't be no. Hey, this this needs to be professional. I mean, I love that question, Jay. I think that because I, I, you know what? I think the pressure was already so high. It was hard to distinguish what was because it was a gay wedding. You know what? No, I, the answer is yes. I think that I, we had a lot of Southern people there. We had a lot of my, I'm from the Midwest. We had Midwestern. We had a lot of Jewish people. It was mm-hmm. like so many different types of. Um, it's just, it just sounds like brisket. You don't have to go any further. <laughs> We had to have, like. yeah, we had to have like a gorgeous brisket and then Steven Sondheim had to perform. It was like, I, I <laughs> knew that the bar was high and I think I was just trying to gauge, like make Matt's Southern Catholic family happy and my big Jewish family happy. And then, so that pressure on top of having a gay wedding, it, it was in Georgia. It was like, yeah. And that's probably why I was shaking before I walked down that aisle. And I, for, I haven't thought about this since then. My mom, I guess her nervous energy was trying to like be chatty with me. And I literally turned to her. I was like, you need to stop talking. I was so... <laughs> I'm like, please. I, and I, don't, I, I did not snap at her. I was just like, I'm so sorry. I need to be silent right now. And I just like stood there and just like was shaking. And then you walked on the aisle over the rainbows playing. And then really, I mean, well, we had, I will shout out. This is a real shout out to Mia Rose effing Lynn. She is a friend of mine. I did a show with in Nashville and she came from Nashville to Atlanta and she played the most unbelievable arrangements of all these songs. And Matt's favorite movie is the wizard of Oz. And so we, I mean, it's, it's obviously cliche to play at a gay wedding over the rainbow, but we leaned in Jay. We really leaned into it. Well, no, because you actually being able to get married kind of cancels out the cliche part of it. Thank you. 
cliche. Well, not really. Why? It's a gay wedding. Well, I mean, were there any other hurdles? It's a Southern Jewish gay (laughs) wedding in Georgia. Oh, well, that's... Wow. Okay. So it's so cliche. So cliche at every Jewish gay Southern wedding to do X, Y, and Z. It's like you're right. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't think. But see, that's like the pressure I'm putting on. It's like, please don't judge me for the re- the ruby slippers. It's like you know what? We can do the fuck we want. Uh, it, you know what it is? That's the man. I say this as I say this is a bi queer man who is in like a homo in a gay relationship. Why do we put pressure on? Every gay man to be original. It's not gonna happen. We've been around since ancient Greece. It's, I don't, we don't have that many original thoughts left. It's done. Cut it. Why reinvent the wheel? I know. It's, I, it works. I think that I really needed it. It's hear cliche that. for you to like one of the most important <laughs> movies ever it's cliche to like the movie that was like what if we put it in color that's cliche no no that's like being like oh man you should drink more water yeah you should you are 70 percent, 90 percent water i don't know i used to be really good at biology i let's go with, we'll go with 90 i think that's ridiculous it's ridiculous it's like how dare i even feel ashamed for liking the wizard of oz it'd be one thing if i was like into i don't know like 27 dresses but <laughs> <laughs> well okay i'm a in defense of benny and the jets it is a good song uh <laughs> Catherine heigl's uh career at that point i i mean who else james marsden a very handsome man was very it? it's undeniable that james marsden is one of the most handsome men and you're right he makes i can't show throw any shade to 27 dresses simply because james marsden's in it he's one of those people that (laughs) and credit to him sometimes he can play like lovable likable leading man and then he understands that the other side of that coin is just evil white boy (laughs) and he can also do that very quickly like, Corny Collins is just a kind of racist person who wants to keep their job. And the the way that he does it is he's like, I, would you talk, I wish we definitely should have more Negro Days. Am I saying that right? Negro day? We should have more Negro Days? I don't hate Negro Days at all. What you talking about? <laughs> the swiftness that you brought up Corny Collins is truly appreciated, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think, Corny Collins in... The hairspray film made me gay. I mean, and then John Travolta kind of made me want not to be gay. So it was kind uh, of a- no, no. Which Nikki Blonsky says that her and John Travolta still talk, which is funny. <laughs> Wait, give me your give me your best impression of what you think Nikki Blonsky and John Travolta are talking about nowadays. Uh, which masseuses not to go to? I don't know. Um, when she came out as bi, he probably congratulated her. And then, have you ever had a conversation with someone where you were like, and? And then he was like, have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what happened. She was like, well, I'm bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I hope John Travolta is a great, a great chat. I really do. I mean, he's done enough incredible movies that. She like accidentally, it was so funny to get to hear her talk about that on a different podcast where she like, it was, she didn't mean to, but she was like, and John was like my mom. I was like, girl, don't be throwing him under the bus like this accidentally. <laughs> she did everything but call him the F word. She's like, 
he's such a nurturing energy. <laughs> I was like, what? I would speak to him every day as if I was talking to my own mother. I felt what? cradled by her feminine energy. Okay, Nikki, stop it. The bosom on that woman. I cried into it every day. <laughs> she only refers to John from she pronouns. I mean... <laughs> oh, Nikki Blonsky, we love you, girly. We really do. Cold Stone Creamery didn't know what they had. <laughs> do you know what? I my first ever job was not Cold Stone, but it was Cold Stone adjacent. It was Maggie Moose. Any Maggie Maggie Moose? Any Maggie Moose lovers out there? Are you kidding me? When we got the nice mall, you know every town has a nice mall. Oh, the yeah. good one. We're going to the good one. Christmas time. Christmas birthday stuff happens at the good one. The rest of the days, regular mall. So this is like an outdoor mall with like cobblestone streets and a promenade. It was called Renaissance mm. in Madison or Ridgeland, Mississippi. It was based on the Bridge Street Mall in Huntsville, Alabama. It had the same developers. And so I'm giving you like a whole like a walking tour of a nice mall of the South. Of the best malls of the South. <laughs> but there was a Maggie Moose. And when it opened, my mom was obsessed with it in the most mom kind of way. She was like, it's such a good ice cream place. They just, they treat you different when you go in there. (laughs) Your mom has taste. Maggie Moose is so good. The richness, the mix-ins. I remember the owner of the Maggie Moose, the franchise I worked at, the whole family would come in and just like get extra large cups and shovel ice cream and mix-ins and then take it to go. And I was like, can you imagine being ice cream royalty? Like talk about... (laughs) Like, talk about everything going on with Meghan and Harry right now. Like, I, I don't want to be, in, obviously, for many reasons, I don't want to be in the royal family. But I do want to be in, in an ice cream family. Like, it, my, I'm not just kidding. Like, if I had could choose between, like, any sort of alcohol or drug versus an yeah. ice cream, I choose an ice cream every time. Really? What's your ice cream right now? What's in your, what's in your fridge right now? Eric, okay. what's in your fridge? So, last night, Freezer, we our rule is we try to only stick to ice cream on the weekends as a tree. If we do it throughout the week, it's like there's no turning back. This past weekend, I got a Haagen-Dazs chocolate peanut butter. As it's This is, this is an exception and not the rule. I don't often get Haagen-Dazs. It's not mm-hmm. my favorite. Mm-hmm. But the chocolate peanut butter, it has such a crunchy peanut butter that sometimes the crunch is like a full orb of peanut butter and it surprises mm-hmm. you in the best way. However, Matt got a half-baked Ben and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Ben and Jerry's will, I think, always be my number one. And we could, I could literally devote an entire podcast to Ben and Jerry's because I have had almost every single flavor. Although they are coming out with a lot of new ones now, it's making it hard to to keep up. Mm-hmm. But the Tonight is probably my number one. The Tonight I will leave this chair, go to my freezer. <laughs> And pull out the tonight. A lot of people think, oh, Jay, this is just masturbatory ice cream stuff on your part because you were on the Tonight Show. I got it as a gift from someone when I did the Tonight Show. And I was like, oh, this is pretty. This is really. What are you? Because what happens is the variety of flavor and texture in every spoonful it is like three different types of ice cream three different types of cookies it's too it's it won't get no better and i listen no shade to americone dream you tried (laughs) no and you you got close but americone dream americone dream wishes it had what tonight though has tonight tonight (sighs) 
It is versatile. It is giving you a full 10-act play. You do not just have one bite and that's all she wrote. You Every <sighs> single bite offers something different. You have an emotional arc. And by the end of it, you feel beyond complete. And tonight, though, I think it's the gold standard. It's so good. It's so good. I go tonight, though, and then tell me if this is how you know how old I am. Then I'm like, you give me a good coffee ice cream. It's tonight, though, and then the coffee ice cream. And then there are like a bunch of people who can compete for third. But a good coffee? haagen does a good coffee. Oh, yeah. Do you do you prefer a coffee like solid or do you like a like a chocolate chip inside the coffee? No, I just want the coffee. I just want coffee ice cream. See, that's it's, where we divert because I need a texture. That's why Tonight Dough does it for me. But if, if I have just a coffee solid, it is delish. But if I, if you give me a crunch, well, then I'm just happy as a clam. All right. What do you... And, and so... What does that what does that mean? What what are you are you looking for more variety in life? Are you looking for something to fight against? Like what's going on? What how how can we psychoanalyze these ice cream choices? Well, I've never I like to psychoanalyze everything about myself, but I've never thought to apply ice cream. Gosh, I mean it probably means that I don't want any I I I get in my own way and I don't want to do anything the easy way. I need an obstacle in order to feel okay. happy. All right. I'm not just happy with like being present with the things around me. I need to be distracted. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, it is four oh five. You are you went five minutes over, Eric. And <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna say don't make a habit of this because it's gonna put it in the back of your head next time and you won't feel as free. But don't make a habit of this. Right. You don't know how much you're <laughs> triggering me right now. I at the last ten minutes of every therapy session, I am uh, literally staring at the clock. <laughs> Because I don't want to go over this man's time. And then I'll be like, I can literally be in the middle of the most traumatic sentence. And I'll be like, and that's when I finally thought. And I'll say the darkest thing. And then, but if it's like right when it's time, I'm like, do you know what? It doesn't matter. Because I do oh, not, no. I do wow. not want to, I do not want to go over time. <laughs> oh, I have a confession. This is so bad. Everyone tells me I, got, I better fix it soon. I like, I ghosted a potential therapist. He wasn't my therapist. We had a, a tiny consultation while I was like in a park on a good day. I was having like a good space. I was like, man, you know what, Jay? You need to start therapy. You have access to it. And we hopped on the phone and I was like, um, yeah, this seems cool. And then I just never got back to him. I mean, that's okay. The, um, but can you... Imagine me telling you about my abandonment issues, then never calling you back. You'd, you'd have to be like, that motherfucker was right. I mean, he was... <laughs> give Jay something. He's honest, if nothing else. God At least damn. he's self-aware. <laughs> you know... <laughs> I did not think about it that way, but gosh, at least the therapist is knowing that they... You're giving that therapist a gift <laughs> of confirmation. Uh, <laughs> you gave them a gift. I mean, I I sat in Central Park interviewing a therapist that I thought was going to be. I was like, this is a gay man, and I am between two people, and I would I think that I would like to have a gay male therapist. And then he was nice enough, but interestingly enough, I connected more with a straight male therapist, and now my therapist is a straight man. But I've heard about this. I've heard about this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Is because is I'm gonna I'm gonna delve. I'm gonna dig a tiny bit deeper. We're gonna Please. try to break past that. That uh, peanut butter crunch layer. Okay. What if it's because sometimes 
you feel like there's a bit of either competition or pressure to be fun and kiki with a gay male therapist instead of like treat it like therapy. Mm, I think that's definitely part of it. I think for me, it was almost like if this is a gay therapist and I better feel an extra magic and like mm-hmm. from both sides, like I bet I better feel more free. He better really deliver with I, if we don't talk about Trixie Mattel, at least every other session, like the, mm-hmm. this was all for naught. And I walked <laughs> away from the session being like, I mean, yeah, he's a there. It's like me like reverse. It's reverse discrimination. It's like, oh, he's just like everyone else. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Eric comes out. I don't know why they want special treatment. They're <laughs> just, like, just like cause he's gay. Us. Just because he's gay. I have so many questions about... Because when you're a gay therapist and you see a gay person, do you ever just get to say... <sighs> You just, you gay. Can you just deal with that first? You gay. Oh, uh, what are you talking about? A closeted person? Maybe a closeted person, but also a person who doesn't understand that they're going to bump up against like heteronormative tensions every day mm. and they're going to attempt to say, oh, is this because I'm not assertive? It's like, no, it's because you gay and you don't want to be in that space that you understand is dangerous to you. If not emotionally, physically, you don't want to be in. It's like, yeah. When people, so it's just i don't know i don't necessarily know if you ever get to say that well maybe you do right but i think also like when any therapist uses their own experience to therapize and so it's interesting from a gay therapist Mm. perspective versus anything else because therapy is therapy it's all it's i am like the biggest fan but you're every single person's experience is so different based on the experiences of your therapist. Like I have a friend, a couple of friends have a therapist that shares a lot of information about their life. Like my friends know the name of their grandchildren. Okay. I have never Wait had a second. Therapists can be that old. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? My old therapist and by old, I mean my <laughs> previous one, my <laughs> no, old therapist, <laughs> my previous therapist was an older person who I was with for seven years and gosh, the love I have for this person. They told me they were retiring and I was like, okay, like love your truth. I, and I said, I'm like one of our final sessions after seven years, I was like, you know, actually my mom was asking me how old you are. And I told her I didn't know the answer. Beep, 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 beep. Mm-hmm. Giving her the option. She was like, yeah, I'm 78 or something like that. Like, and I was like, oh, I had no, I mean, I, she could have been, she could have been 60 in my, eye. I was like, <laughs> I was like, retire. Like, why are you still here? Go take, like. <laughs> you were like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I did not it. know that I took up this much time. My bad. I stole, the, I stole your entire 70s from you, girl. Like, <laughs> I, you must be carrying a lot of weight around. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I do. I do want to circle back because how could I not bring up? We we could. How could we not discuss it tonight, though, and not talk about your experience doing that show? Your set is so good. Oh, thank um, you. If anyone hasn't watched Jay's uh, tonight show set, you need. I'll, I'll I'll send you the link. But can you ex- talk about like what what that experience is like? Like a finding out you're doing it, and then b actually like showing up in and being on national television. Okay. All right. So. A couple of factors led me to it. There was a festival in Canada in 2019, and the Booker for the Tonight Show was there. And then I heard, just like afterwards, I, there it was like, oh, yeah, he loved your set, but probably 
no new comedians on the Tonight Show through the end of 2019. A lot of new spots opening up for 2020. And I was like, that's so cool. Could you imagine? 2020 is going to be my year. Little did I know. And then I did like, I think I was doing my tour. I did a college tour. I went to like, I want to say like a little bit over 20 schools. And on one of the tour dates, I was in a place, let's just say, that had an indoor pool, but also carpet around the indoor pool. It was one Mm -hmm. of those hotels. And I got a call and my agent was like, do you have this Tuesday free? And I was like, oh, yeah. And in my head, I was just like, I just auditioned for a Comedy Central thing. I was like, oh, it's a Comedy Central thing. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And that's all I'm thinking about is Comedy Central. And then I get a call like the next week and it's like, Jay, you booked the Tonight Show. And I was like, with what? With what set? And they're like, it's because uh Michael Cox is the booker. He he saw you like, he saw you in Atlanta, then he saw you in Canada, and then he saw you one other time in New York, and he, want, he wants you to do it. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, so ecstatic. I was like, completely like, but also I was driving myself in this town. I had a rental car to get to my college gig. So I couldn't even drink. So I went to Chipotle, and I like, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I just got like, <laughs> like a steak bowl. Celebrated with a I steak chipotle bowl. Because I couldn't drink because I didn't. I had a show coming. It was just like all over the place. And then the next week I had to do four college gigs and then come back to the city to try to get audio clips to send to the booker. So I did my four college gigs. It was uh, it was hell week, but I loved it. But I was I went to, I was like in Virginia twice and I think I was also in Midwest again. And then I went back to New York and I ran my set four times on Saturday, three times on Sunday and one time on Monday. And so then they ask you if you like want a car to the to 30 rock or if you like want to take the subway and i was like man i want a, I want a car well, yeah i'm gonna take uh, which yeah. once again i'm so sorry greta thunberg i feel so bad that i made that choice but you know <laughs> so, <laughs> they send you this escalade uh here's another thing if you ever see someone in new york city in an escalade it's because they have to go do something for nbc it's not or abc <laughs> it's like no one uses Escalades for personal vehicles. Like Except someone's network driving network television are the only companies that are shuffling people around in full <laughs> on gigantic Escalades in Manhattan. I'm telling you. And so then we went there. It was Garrison and I. Garrison, my agent, and my manager took pictures backstage, you know. And then so I did my rehearsal, and the crew laughed a lot. And I was like, oh, okay, that's good. Yes. Oh, that's a that's a good sign. Anyway, because like you know about this, like when when you do rehearsals, as a person who comes from a theater background, you are used to silence. Oh yeah, it's like torture. It's like it's always silence, silence, and it's the it's like all the times you're rehearsing and not a single person, and the second you hear a single reaction, you're just like, okay, thank God. Yeah, especially in the space, in the costume, in the shoes, like day before. So that was really good, and so then. I was backstage for a while. Who was there? Billy Crudup. Mm. Such a handsome man. Oh, yeah. Just so handsome. He's, man. And Jessica Beale. 
and they were promoting their projects. One was the morning show. The other thing that she was promoting, I feel bad. I do not remember. But I watched the morning show because I was like, man, I can't sit here and lie to this man. He just asked me to watch this show. <laughs> when Billy asked you to watch the morning show. He was so hot on the morning show, too. Even though he was like kind of manipulative and sneaky. But ugh, man. Sometimes oh. that makes it hotter, unfortunately. Wow. Wow. Okay. Talk about therapy. Lot to unpack. And so then you hear that like they need you for makeup and then you get a makeup and then they mic you up. And the cool thing is that you hear Jimmy basically telling the crowd to go crazy and how much he loves your, he loves your set and how much they're going to have a good time, especially because it was my, network tv debut i guess it was just my tv debut and then there's like a back there's like a hand on your back in the curtains and they like push you out so you come out pretty fast oh my god well because i just i think they don't want anyone to like dawdle (laughs) by the blue curtains yeah and so that's why when you come out, you come out to like a wall of sound. And then that's why the first thing I said was, hey, because I was like, hey, basically, let them know I'm starting. And so one of my favorite memories is that I got the roots to laugh on my Mary J. Blige joke. Oh, it's and they were favorites. still laughing. And you see me in the te- you see me in the YouTube clip point to them because I want people to know that I'm not breaking like they're still laughing. <laughs> Which is like always like a key. Uh, there's also a really fun moment where I have my fantasy football joke and a woman kind of at the top of the stadium style seating. She heard me say fantasy football and she said, woo. And so I got to direct the punchline to that joke to her. And the audience must have thought I was like a genius. I was like, girl, I have rehearsed that joke for like a very long time. I just <gasps> can't give it I can directly. And then went really well. And the kicker was I didn't know that Adam Sandler was going to be there. Adam Sandler was there and Lorne Michaels was there because Tim Meadows was Tim Meadows was upstairs doing Seth Meyers and Adam Sandler came there to film an interview because the Tonight Show was going to be in Austin the next week to promote one of his projects. And so Adam Sandler saw me do my stand up and Adam Sandler was like, that was really good. He <gasps> came up and then here's, it's even funnier. And then for some reason, he hugged my boyfriend. <laughs> Adam Sandler hugged Garrison. Yes. <laughs> It was just so funny to me because I was like, what? Why are y'all hugging? He didn't do nothing. You know, Adam, I guess Adam has a type, maybe. No, maybe. I don't know. Adam Sandler, the ultimate ally. Uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. I was, <laughs> I was just a very kind of like. I was excited. Uh, I was very happy. I Everything mean, yeah, it's such went a- well. It, it's such a great set, and like I, I get a stomach ache hearing like you waiting to go on because it sounds so nerve wracking. But like to know after the fact that you killed it is like probably such a great feeling because it's literally on the internet and on your album. And, like, <laughs> it is, it's out there. It's a very, it's a very fun space to be like, oh, okay, I did. This it's a fun accomplishment. They get I like have the cue cards like right. <gasps> oh yeah, from the Tonight Show. That's but it's incredible. also like a very. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Like 
when you do the Tonight Show, then people put more pressure on you. People will be like, well, Jay, what's going on? Where's, where's Netflix? You'll be like, I don't know. I don't know. What do uh, you mean? Yeah, talk about pressure. I mean, it's, it's like, it's if it were up to me, I'd be on Netflix doing every <laughs> everything. Not that... Look, <laughs> I hate being the person that's complaining about doing well, but there Not there even, is like that tiny bit of people never let you chill. They never let you rest. Yeah. I mean, people, and then also like your own self pressure you put on of just like, it's wow. That's, that's what I do. That's what I do. Wow. Okay. This is, that's telling. That's what I do. I feel like I do that. Oh, um, totally. I'm sure. I'm sure it's just like, it's probably in everyone's brain. Like what are the loudest voices, you know? What's your ooh? Well, especially with stand up and with and with any sort of like performance like based career, mm. you start to go, I did it. Mm. And then and then there's another voice that goes, Did what? And you're like, <laughs> oh, what <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> they're like, yep. it's ephemeral. It'll never be that good again. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hundred percent my experience. Yeah. I mean, I even like any show I've done or like, I, I had a moment when I was doing the, the tour of Elf the Elf, Musical. I was about I, to say, I know a little bit about you too, buddy. <laughs> I know a little bit about you, Eric. I've done my research. Come on, research. Grad school degree. Um, Here's the deal. <laughs> We're excited. <laughs> Well, my my long story short is that I rem- I did the, sh- the tour twice, and the first time I was twenty four, and I was like, "Well, I I made it, and I cannot wait to have a lifetime of easiness in and stardom." And then I got back to New York after doing the tour, and like a cab drove past and sprayed water on me, and I like didn't work for eight months. It was like you know, I like it was while that Taylor was- Swift "Welcome to New York" played in the background. Welcome to New <laughs> yeah, it that was, like, is. I don't know how she doesn't understand if if she did not want people to make fun of that song, she shouldn't have made that song. It's been waiting for you. It's like it has what? not. It's no, the <laughs> meanest place ever. New York waits for no one and continues on without you. Um, but then the second time I did the tour, I was literally, and I say that this as not like a monstrous moment, it's just like a reality, is I did the show, I was on tour in New Orleans, and like I remember signing an autograph thinking to myself, this is fake. None of this is real. <laughs> because I knew that 10 days after that, the tour was going to end. I would get to New York City. Taylor Swift's song would play again. Another cat would come by. I'd be cover head to show and i had to have i had to have that reality check because if you think that this is a moment that's going to last forever it clearly can't and so i i i I tried to be as present as i could but of course i was still so depressed when it ended because you then have the thoughts i i had the thoughts that would never work again blah 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 blah. that's fair that's very mature it's interesting whenever theater people talk about understanding their place Mm. in the hierarchy of importance in New York, because there's like the first, like the first thought, which is like, I'm super important. And then it's like the realization it's like, I am not important. I'm important to my family. I'm important to my friends. Mm -hmm. I'm important to people that love me, but to these machines, I am important. Right. And I think it's also like we have to decide what we put value, what our self-worth is and what our value is in. And that's what I was working on in therapy recently is like, I 
for a lot of the pandemic was just like so unemployed and just nothing. And I was feeling like down on myself. And the therapist was like, but you need to think about the things you're actually doing to bring value to people's lives or to yourself. And I, and I, and I've really been working on like, you know what? Like if I can feel confident in the things I'm bringing into the world for myself and for other people. Like it, I can't base my own value on like I'm signing an autograph or I am, you know, get on the top three podcasts or whatever it is. It's like, <laughs> do I want that? Absolutely. Please rate and subscribe. However, I, you know, I'm trying to just like learn to lead with what excites me and I'm actually passionate about and hope that the success follows that. And this is all I, I'm hoping That's a very, that's a very mature way to think about it. I also, the pandemic taught me, I don't have to do anything I don't want to (laughs) do. It was such a weird experiment for like going Mm -hmm. on a year now for if someone was like, do you want to do this? And you could be like, no, I don't. Yeah. I'm I'm nervous that. for I'm like I'm obviously excited for the virus to stop killing people, but I'm 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 nervous for the times where we can go out and do anything, and then like <laughs> like I don't hate spending a lot of time in. Is that oh. okay to say? Yo, well, that's because you're one of these people. Some listen, Eric. Some of these girls don't even got a steady boyfriend and you have a husband and a place to live. And you're out here saying, I'm happy. I don't have to. They got to go out and go hunt. They got to find somebody. How you think you ain't going to find a husband at home. You will because you have one, but they won't. Listen, he ain't in the fridge. Stop that. These girls need to go out. The girl, the girls need to go out. Jay, I said nothing about the girls. I said nothing about the girls. I'm talking about me, myself, and I. But the girls, I wish you the best of luck, sweeties, because it's going to be an uphill battle. I know you can get up there. <laughs> no, it's going to be a hot fucking mess. I think that straight people are gonna fully evolve into gay men this just year. Fuck anything that moves and just hope that something sticks. It's, I mean, and it will, and then it won't because of <laughs> a re- oh, like a, some antibiotics, but like, it's going to be, it's going to be intense. I got the vaccine yeah. on Sunday. Congratulations. At two fifteen AM at the Javits center. And it, kicked my ass all of yesterday it oh, is no it, no but that's what you want i had like you want that's what you want i had like a good i had like a sub a substantial immune response to it but um hopefully hopefully this summer looks yes closer to and we pray for we pray for our girls we pray for our boys we pray that everyone yeah uh, not everyone out here is married eric let them be hoes if they want to you can be a hoe if you want to. <laughs> well, I feel like we've covered so many amazing topics, but when you hear the question, like, what made you queer? Like, like what are like the touchstones to you that were just like, this spoke to me in a way that spoke to my queerness? Oh, um, X-Men, the animated series. Mm. X-Men, the animated series, because the first episode happens in a mall and there's a line where the signals have just crashed into the mall. And then you see a crowd running past. And then Rogue says, whoo, must be a sale. And I was like, that's funny. That's, that's, that I watched it again this past summer. It's still very funny. But then 
I looked at the characters and there were so many examples of like male desire, but then also like female, like goddess worship in the X-Men. I was like, oh, this is like, this is definitely like Gambit had like highly articulated pink body armor for his abs. And you'd be like, what? And Wolverine always lusting after jeans. So you got a little bit of soap opera. Imagine being a kid and watching your like, your cartoons and be like, oh, girl, what? <laughs> He's, she's married to Logan. <laughs> like that kind of stuff. And then realizing that part of the reason I like the X-Men is they were born different. The whole like very thinly veiled analogy for queerness mm. when it comes to being a mutant in Marvel Comics. So I definitely can look back on it and still have a very, very good relationship with the... I still like read... I'm going to buy comic books tomorrow and read them. And so like that, looking back on it, I can be like, oh, it definitely tracks. To oh, the yeah. point, to the point where my favorite X-Men character growing up in 2015, Brian Michael Bendis was like, oh, Iceman's gay. And not only are we going to like say it like in a way that you can't refute it, we're going to like, they had so much evidence all the way back to like 93 when Emma <sighs> Frost took over his body, like crazy amounts of evidence to be like, they've been saying it. If you look at his dating history, and then I was like, wait a second, Iceman is gay? I had like an Iceman action figure that I'll never forget it was one of my favorite action figures. And I was like, what is this? Whoa. You kept this from me? <laughs> During your prime years growing up. Yeah, but then also like I didn't know, I didn't even know bisexuality was an option until I went to college. Like, you know, because you just don't. Because in the South, all you hear is you can either be straight or you can be wrong. And right. So then you don't understand. You can be sort of right. You do you remember? Do you remember when they people would say that you your if your earring is in your left ear, it's good, but if it's in your right ear, it's it, right. There was is a wrong. gay ear. Right, there was the a gay ear, and yeah. the, the saying was "right is wrong," and I remember like hearing that, and of course, as like a eleven year old that's like about to be having, well, no, f- cut to like as a nine year old having the most like weirdly sexual thoughts about men as a ch- literal child, and then to hear them say that "right is wrong," and it's like interesting, interesting. So those dreams are bad. Those dreams are bad. <laughs> You're like, so we got some feedback, and <laughs> I'm doing it some market research. Out. We don't want to go down that path. We don't necessarily know. As much as I want to put an earring on the right side of my face, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a no for the world. Did yeah. you? I, I remember being able to look back now, and I can articulate that what I had sometimes were crushes on boys. But at the time, once again, I didn't. There was no way for me to even think about it. Even oh, in high yeah. school, in high school. If I if I was truly honest with myself, there'd be times where a new guy would come to school. I'd be like, "That new guy, he is pretty interesting, y'all." Did you know? Did you know? I don't. What does his parents do? He used do to for live in Milwaukee. Did you know that? What is? Yeah. What does he do? What is? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys gonna be nice to him? I'm gonna be uh-huh. nice to him. 
It's like you have moments like that. You're like, why am I infatuated? What is this infatuation? I actually am not kidding, Jay. A few days ago, someone said something that like brought up a memory of a seventh grade teacher of mine. And I was like, I was so deeply in love with, I almost want to say his full name. I won't, but like, I was so in love with Mike mm-hmm, from my seventh grade math class. I was just like, he's so athletic. I remember seeing like he would wear like sports, he would wear soccer shorts. And I was like, what? As a is teacher? It? Yeah. Like maybe because he was also like this soccer coach. So I feel like maybe like last period he had to run to a game. And so he would be wearing his, his little, and like, that you, is inappropriate. Oh, I would zero in on those shorts. And he, a teacher in Umbros? That is Umbros. Yes. Those are cut high. That's a five inch inseam at the most. At best of five. I mean, it was, and girl, it was absolutely delicious. What? And so I googled him and I couldn't find him. I'll keep you posted. No. <laughs> oh my lord! Ho- hopefully he listens, likes, and subscribes. Seriously, <laughs> swipe up, Mister. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> is that what if he's if he's still hot? I, I mean, that's oh, I I I could give you a list of teachers I still think about. My sixth grade, the guy that worked in the library, um, geometry, eighth grade. Um, you had a lot of male teachers. I think I good. did. I did, and I loved all of them. I gotta say, I didn't I did not discriminate my seventh grade science teacher was like the opposite of that like when we had like the sex day with him it was not sexual at all to the point where like everyone in the class is like i am no longer (laughs) horny you have ruined this for us his name was mr (laughs) this is so funny his name was mr testy i think (laughs) i feel like you're making this up I can't make it up. We're going like, to Mr. Chesty's sex ed class. It was a full on like science science class at that point. It was sex ed. Oh my god! I mean, honestly, that needs to be written into something. I feel like one person one year was like, "Were you a twin?" Uh, <laughs> Left or uh, right? Uh, <laughs> oh. Well, listen, Jay. I have to say, chatting with you is such a is such a treat, and I am um, you're the best. I'm grateful you're here. I, I'm excited to continue to watch your success. I truly mean that. We should. I want to. We'll see each other again in person on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed that, you want to follow Jay on social media. It's at Jay Jordan. Follow me at Eric Wills, E-R-I-C-W-I-L-L-Z. And you definitely want to subscribe because coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have got Catherine Cohen on the podcast. She is the host of the incredibly popular Seek Treatment and the hilarious Lewis Peitzman, writer and personality. So subscribe, drop us a five-star review. It really means the world. And we will see you next Wednesday. Stay gay.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.